everyone. Um, I want to get a little something off my chest uh, before we get started on the night's topic. Uh, uh, Jilly has a brand new, um, beautiful, uh, freshly painted soapbox to get up on, so we're going to let her do that. Uh, I got a contact form from my website um, after the podcast. Oh, this early, it was early this morning, so, um, uh, questioning, we had kind of finagled about the number of years that we'd been writing, and the person in this comment form basically said that, um, that she didn't think writing at 12 really counted, because scribbling in a notebook at 12 isn't a writing experience. Okay, um... I don't agree with you, but I wasn't scribbling in a notebook at 12. I finished my first novel at 80,000 words at 13. Between the ages of 12 and 20, I wrote 10 full-length novels ranging from 80,000 to 125,000 words. I wasn't scribbling in a notebook, and I wasn't writing poetry. I was writing novels. In fact, one of the novels that I wrote as a teenager was eventually published by a New York publisher. Not that version. I had to rewrite it, of course. It was like the third or fourth draft of that novel. Um, The very first novel I wrote is actually so on point with Harlequin Desire, I could edit it right now, clean it up, submit it, submit it, and it would probably be published. So please keep your patronizing bullshit to yourself. And when I tell you I've been writing for 33 fucking years, I have been writing for 33 fucking years. Thank you. Um... <clears throat> And even, you know what, I scribble in notebooks today and I consider it writing. Just so fuck you. Anyways. Anyways. How are you? Well, now I'm annoyed. I mean, that's just an annoying and <laughs> patronizing thing to say. <laughs> like you weren't annoyed before. <laughs> that's true. It's just I've been pissed off all day. Now I I just I find that to be just a bizarre. I mean I got I started getting paid for doing write tech, I mean, not full time technical writing, but the first job I had that paid me to write um, was when I was nineteen. So, you know, if you want to, if, if it makes that person feel better to lop seven years off my writing experience, what the fuck ever. Well, yeah, I mean, if if I count my my penthouse years, it's about the same for me. I was eighteen, nineteen when I started doing that. To pay for my books, my textbooks in college. But if what she's basically is she what she's basically saying is the years that you're learning or honing your craft don't count, then that accounts for people who start writing when they're adults too. You can't just be biased against teenagers and say that you know teenagers can't. What is she saying? Is she saying it? Uh, the thing is, there are teenagers who write and publish books. So I'm not exactly well, sure. Well, what's that kid's name um, that wrote? Um... Aragorn, Aragorn, and Eldis, and the Dragon Books. Christopher Poloni? No, Christopher something. Anyway, he wrote, he wrote Aragorn um, at 15 or 16. Christopher Poloni, you're right. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, and his parents published it and took him on a book tour because they were so proud of him. Yeah, it was. It looks like it was published when he was 19, but it, he had to have written it quite a lot before that. Yeah, it's 15 or 16. Um, that's the that's the pro publishing, but it was published. It was self published before that. His parents paid for it to be published, uh-huh. but when he got I, a, a contract with a publisher. But regardless, regardless, um, I, there's just no that you, her 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 critique doesn't stand up to any kind of logical challenge so is it that you your writing experience before you're paid doesn't count is it your writing experience when you're a teenager doesn't count and either of those you can counter with any kind of logical argument it's just stupid it's just stupid although i don't know why anybody would feel the need to 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 take um basically five or six years of writing experience away from you i mean what is that what does that do for her I don't know what her deal was, um, but all I can think was Umbridge. <laughs> you don't really have a corporal Patronus, <laughs> a corporeal, 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 corporeal Patronus, corporeal. Yeah, you really have that. Come on now, you're just a Muggle-born. You haven't really been writing since you were twelve. Oh fuck you! No, but you know, the, and you know the thing is, is um, I was like, I didn't even respond to the email. It says I know they're listening to the podcast. I thought you know I'll just t- bring it up next time I was on a podcast because um, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's just dumb. Um. I don't need another soapbox today. I'm going to have to build an extra wide soapbox so that I can move from topic to topic. Just build a soap platform. And I'll just make a camp on it. Well, it's it's fast becoming a stage. We'll need a podium. Yeah. <laughs> so... To- this started this well it started my pet peeve around this started actually years ago um, and it's a little bit it, it it's kind of like i I even have a little bit of internal conflict about some of my opinions here because sometimes I don't want to dismiss when people don't like something, and my first reaction to the first complaints I heard about the unre- un- un- how unrealistic um some things were in books was to roll my eyes at it, which is very dismissive. You know, I, and I did just dismiss it and go like, welcome to the club, sweetheart. But on the other hand, I also understand what it feels like to feel objectified in a book. So, um, but the issue was, it was started like years ago, I started hearing the first murmurs of complaints about the way um, men were depicted in, um, and, and this isn't just books. It's also in TV shows. Um, but, you know, especially in male male books that the men weren't realistic they you know they're all hard bodies with big dicks and that's not reality and you know that people can't relate to that and blah 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 and that was when my initial reaction to that was just a big eye roll and I just kind of dismissed that complaint because um 
how many years have we been reading books with women in them who are completely unrealistic? It's just that's that's the thing. Women have been objectified since in, in fiction work books since, have been existing. Yeah. And it's not even just the romance and um, erotica genres. It's all genres, practically, or women are objectified in them. So I got a little bit um, – um, I was a little dismissive of that at first. But on the other hand, I tried to kind of – you know, I didn't, like, like, get into debates with people about it. I tried to kind of reel in my opinions. Um, and except that, some, you know, this is, this is a group that, you know, new group of people reacting to – men are reacting to feeling objectified in entertainment medium. And they have a right to not like it. That's fine. But by the same token, um, so I don't want to dismiss people as not liking feeling objectified, but by the same token, people read to be entertained, and they read not not always, but they often are reading to to, to read a fantasy, and fantasy and reality. Um, there's a reason why it's not the same word. <laughs> so, uh, the reality of you know flabby tummies and small dicks may not be what someone's seeking when they're reading, when they're looking for an erotic fantasy. So I just kind of, I, for the most part, I haven't really expressed a lot of public opinions about this because I do think there's a difference between objectification and fetishization. And objectification is just kind of the reality of entertainment mediums, right? It happens on TV. It happens in books. Um, I think we got got it. I personally kind of draw the line at things that start to, crossover into like fetishization of something like where you're fetishizing um, someone's ethnicity or you're fetishizing their culture or they're fetishizing their, um, their sexual orientation or whatever. I think that that kind of is where we start crossing lines, but we'll set that whole fetishization discussion aside. Uh, yeah. Someone says it's like the average woman can relate to a woman on TV. No, I mean, when you have like, 18-year-old actresses playing a 35-year-old mom. Who can relate to that? Literally no one. But anyway, I'd like um, to relate to Olivia Pope's wardrobe. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be real. But, so, earlier today I saw a post um, and it, it linked out to um, an article on Cosmopolitan called 25 Erotica Tropes That Need to Die. And I read it, and there's some of them that I completely agree with. It's like the tropes that have always been annoying. Um, one of them, it's a couple of the things in the list. Um, give you guys the list, the link, because there's just no point in me talking about it if you can't listen. But some of it is related to, like, purple prose or excessive use of euphemisms. Um, yeah, uh, euphemisms are kind of like a done deal now. We, we, it's just silly to keep doing that kind of stuff, but it, it kind of lingers with the people. It kind of you catch, catch certain things from the things you read, and then you do it yourself. But some of the things I read, and the way they were presented, it was like this is a bad thing if you enjoy this or you've read it or you think this is real. And... Um, some of it was just the fact that it's like they don't like that erotica tropes don't feature enough reality. Well, quite frankly, I don't read erotica for reality. I don't read erotica for cleanup scenes. I don't read erotica um, 
to, to deal with the reality of, of, of UTIs and yeast infections and stuff. So, like, one of the things that they put in there, and so I'm reading it, and I was starting to get a little bit irritated because they're conflating in this list of things. They're conflating the, the fantasy elements people are seeking out with things that are so unrealistic that you can't even buy into it, right? Um, and so, like one of the things that one of the, one of the things that they had an issue with was women have magical orifices that are not only resistant to infections, but require no lube ever. Um, and the, the the quote was, "She's always so wet and ready." Um, again, this is this. Like I said I don't actually want to read stories where the heroine can't can't get it on because she's got a youth infection. Well, we'll have to wait a couple more days before I'm done. Before I, well, before I'm done with my, you know, mon- monostat, is that what that stuff is called? Whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to read that. That's not the fantasy I'm seeking. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, I actually I, have one word to solve this whole argument. Queef. <laughs> Ladies, we've all been there. Well, maybe. Yeah. Um, um, if you're taking some action from a substantial penis and things are very energetic, air will get pushed into your vagina and there may very well be a sound that sounds much like a fart exiting your vagina. And this is called a queef. Um, it's not sexy. It's awkward. It's a moment where you both stop and giggle. <laughs> yes, you do. It's and you try to change the things, the things that erotica fantasy is made of. You might want to change no. the position. <laughs> you you do you do change the angle. I've always changed the angle of my hips. It's like, whoa, time for a little hip hip adjustment. Um, <laughs> because you're you're pushing too much air into my vagina at this angle. That's just what's happening. So <laughs> substantial it is, you know it, it really just tends to happen with a bigger penis or is that just my experience i've been there i mean i so. i mean i've never really had a small one because i have standards but um it seems to me the thicker the penis the more likely you are to have a queef and and, and angle you have a very energetic partner Get it yeah. from behind. And angle has a lot that's to do with it too. Op- you know, that's a yeah. We're gonna go but there from behind, especially especially the honestly the flatter you are to the bed, the more likely it is to happen. It's because the angle he's coming into the vagina is picking up air. Okay, he's pumping <laughs> air into you, and it eventually has to come out. That's the thing about air; it can't stay in the body. The body doesn't like that, except in the lungs. Your lungs are the only place that air belongs, but. Um, yeah, and that's not reality. Sexy, and you don't want to read about that. No, I, and when I do get too much reality, when that kind of stuff comes in the book, I, I I will start skipping sex scenes or put the book down because that's not why I'm reading. I do want to read about fantasy sex where it is magically clean and it is magically free of complications and nobody gets their hair caught in anybody's zipper. I mean, unless somebody is writing a comedy where that kind of stuff happens, but that's not typically your typical erotica trope. Um, You don't fall off the bed. You don't end up getting your head rammed into the headboard. (laughs) No. 
you don't have to pay, you know, damage fees to the hotel you're in because you ripped the headboard off the wall. Um, (laughs) Or you dug your nails into the drywall. (laughs) But the thing is, I would say a good chunk of the stuff on this list are just things they're saying are not realistic sex as opposed to objectionable tropes. And I got really irritated because there's nothing, it's like they're saying, it's like saying implicitly there's something wrong with wanting to read about fantasy sex, that there's something wrong with wanting to read about characters who look in the way that you think is sexy. If you don't think hard bodies are sexy, then you're probably not seeking out erotica stories that have men with hard bodies, okay? Um, well, I mean, there's that other thing is that there's an implicitness about the article that basically says that real sex isn't good. Right. And that real, and that um, real sex is, and that, and that it, yeah. I honestly that sex like is deeply unsatisfying 99% of the time. And that's just not true for me personally. Um, then there was that one thing. Where's that? There was a point that really uh, last one pissed me off. I was so irritated. I feel like the person who wrote this article has a lot of bad sex. Everyone orgasms when they have sex. The man, the woman, the woman again, if only. Um, Yeah. Who would you? What would you do if you read a book where he got off and she didn't? I'm sorry, folks, but that 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 trope is long gone. And it needs to stay dead. I think the whole point, um, actually, in that particular trope dying is that women um, absolutely have the right to to be satisfied with sex and to not ignore the fact that they have not been satisfied with the sex that they've had and to not be afraid to say, hey, dude, um, we're not done. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm not done. <laughs> you need to come up here and finish your business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, and a guy only leaves me hanging once. He doesn't get to do it again. Right? Right. So, if a man leaves you hanging, you let him know that's the last time he's ever getting any of your pussy. Or whatever you gave him. He gets no more. Uh, I mean, there are always exceptions to everything, right? Like, I know a, a woman who struggles. She, she gets sexually aroused, and she finds pleasure from having sex, but she has really severe anorgasmia that she's been unable to fi- get treatment for, um, which means she's incapable of achieving orgasm. But she still enjoys sex to whatever – but she's never had an orgasm, and she's talked to her doctors about it. There's nothing that they've been able to find that, and I know she tries. She's looking, continually looking for things that might treat the problem, but whatever. Her experience of sex doesn't include orgasms, okay? So, but that that's but kind she of an enjoys outlier. the sex that she has, right? Yes, so, and she doesn't have sex when, and she gets turned on. She gets wet. Um, she probably doesn't get as wet as I would imagine someone who's had an orgasm would, but she also is willing to put lube to the situation. She doesn't have sex when she's not in the mood. She's happily married. Um, so she's not, she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel um, her experience of sex is different because the orgasm is not 
her, her end game. Um, but she enjoys all the stuff that goes on. She loves the foreplay. She loves the, the, the she, she says she loves fucking. She says she really enjoys it. Um, but we were, that came up because we were talking about anorgasmia at one point. Anyway, um, her experience of sex is very different than my experience of sex. But most people, I would say most, would not pick up an erotica book or an erotic whatever type of book with that kind of sexual experience. It's not what they're seeking. They're not seeking to try to understand that, that perspective. So, yes, there are circumstances where people have sex and they don't orgasm, and it's perfectly fine if the person who didn't come is okay with it. But that's not what people are typically seeking when they're looking to be entertained, right? And, that's, and the thing is, well, no, they fine. want to see um, two people who are really into each other, who are attractive, who are generous with the pleasure that they're sharing. Um, you don't buy erotica to be disappointed and demoralized. You buy erotica to be turned on and excited Um and maybe you masturbate with it, and maybe you don't. That's your choice. But no legitimate publisher of erotica is going to publish something that's not sexy. The whole point is for it to be sexy and exciting for the reader. But the author of this article seemed to be almost to the point where she's anti-sex. And if you don't enjoy sex, you don't enjoy reading sex, and you apparently don't even enjoy having sex, why are you writing an article about sex? (laughs) Maybe they just wanted to be controversial. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I mean... I feel like there's been a lot. I see this in multiple. I see it on Twitter. I see it in writing groups. I see it in rec, rec groups. People talk about, oh, it's just not realistic, or it's just there's a lot of trend and like this whole reality thing. But I've never sought reality in my books. I mean, that's what nonfiction is for, right? Um, I mean, yeah, because I'm I turned down that werewolf book the other day because it was so unrealistic. The sex was just. <sighs> What would they do with a fucking knot, that's the you know? fucking unrealistic part, right? The sex in my hot werewolf book. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I mean, a, lo- a lot of her bitches in this article were um, language-related, which aren't tr- – language is not a trope, folks. So I – just I kind of wanted to smack her for not understanding what a trope is, but the words, the type of words and phrases people use, um, calling something as um, uh, her sex instead of her clit or his blank instead of a dick, that's just a euphemism. And that comes from the day, the era when you couldn't use explicit language. It's not a trope. But also you need to keep in mind that, that publishers determined Um, publishers have in-house guidelines that you have to follow when it comes to language. Some of them want you to use cock and pussy and clit, and some of them don't. Yeah. And you do what they say, or you don't get published. Harlequin presents, you're not allowed to use any explicit words, or you didn't used to be able to. I haven't read the guidelines in a very long time. And there was like one, and I forget which one it was. It was was a Harlequin line. You were allowed like three cuss words the whole book. You could have three cuss words, and you couldn't use the F word. Fuck. I don't know why I said F word because they did in their guidelines. <laughs> you couldn't use the F word. 
And you most specifically could not use the word fuck in reference to sex. Your your hero or your heroine could not think or say to their romantic interest that I I want to fuck you. No, that wasn't romantic. Therefore, it was not allowed in the in the in the in the content of the line. Um, There were rules about what kind of sex you could have. Um, how many thrusts that could be could be put into a paragraph? I mean, you're just like you know on TV, you can like thrust like two times against your partner during a sex scene on a soap opera, stuff like that. So, and a lot of erotica publishers, and there was something else in the article about um, ass to vagina or ass to mouth, and a lot of erotica publishers do have rules saying that you cannot put anything in the vagina that has been in the ass. In the same scene. You can go vagina to ass, but you cannot go ass to vagina, and you cannot go ass to mouth. But alternatively, those same publishers still allow rimming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, I get it. Penetration's a little different than licking. I get it. I mean, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, okay, but I mean, I, so a lot of, I don't think, she says that these are erotica tropes that need to die, which imply that they've been around for a while. And I personally, in all the erotica I've been reading, I mean, what you see in porn is not at all reflective of the erotica genre. Um, and the erotica I've read over the years, I didn't, don't recall a lot of astavagina. Astavagina. No, me yes. neither. More, more of that than I would like. But I don't recall a lot of ass to vagina. It does happen occasionally. It's always startling. Um, I think that's coming from people who have watched a lot of porn. But I find it startling when I watch porn. I'm like, no, don't do that. Um, don't do that. Don't do that. It's bad. You're going to get a fat, you're going to get an infection. And then you can't even masturbate because the fantasy is ruined for you. Because now all you can think about is all those ass germs in that lady's vagina. <laughs> Everything's ruined. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when, when the sex is, is – some of the things they're talking about as tropes are just the sex is really wrong. And, yeah, there has been a lot of, like, completely unrealistic in erotica for a long time. And that continues on. Sometimes I wonder when I – and this, this occurs with erotic fan fiction, erotic whatever um, – when I, that I see stuff that is so so unrealistic that I just go, okay, what the fuck ever. Um, and it throws you out, okay? And especially with erotica, you getting thrown out of the story, because erotica is about sex, right? So if you're thrown off by the sex, well, there's not much more <laughs> to do, right? So if you find the sex unappealing, I mean, and the thing is, the tropes that I... I would have probably called out is like the quote, you know, well, I'm going to put air quotes here, the dubious consent tropes, right? Um, I would like to see those die in a fire. In this day and age, consent, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be fetishizing lack of consent. So to me, that is a trope that we could, but that wasn't on her. Her list of stuff was just a bunch of, my guess is pet peeves because she's never had good sex, but I'm feeling a little bit judgy about her list. Uh, because one of the things she That's really, okay, because we are firmly in our knickers of judgment. Yeah, my knickers of judgment <laughs> is like turning into an Everlast today. Um, <laughs> I 
if you don't get that, you're up too late. Go to bed. <laughs> yes. Um. So one of the phrases, so I'll, I'll point you guys to number 11, desire pools in her belly, apparently is a phrase that really this person really objects to. Um, I, maybe she doesn't like that turn of phrase. Maybe she doesn't have any familiarity with that. But, I mean, I think everybody experiences arousal differently. And some people get, like, a tingling in their spine, and some people feel a sensation low in their in their gut. Um, but, and I would – I actually completely understand that turn of phrase, desire I get it, too, because I have a – I have a um, – basically, I have this warm, heavy feeling right above uh-huh. my uh, pubic mound. Yeah, it's it's really low in your belly and it feels kind of hot. Well, it's because and, the blood um, the blood's rushing to your genitals. to your to your, to, to your genitals. Yeah, you're getting a blood rush down there. So I understand that turn of phrase, desire pooling in her belly. I don't. I, I, I'm actually. I would probably use that phrase. Um, I also understand that that when people talk about, I heard somebody bitching once about somebody talking about. Um, the tingling in the base of their spine. Well, right before orgasm, that's exactly how I feel it too, is it feels like a building sensation in the spine. Um, and the, the thing is people experience these things in their physical body differently. So if you can't relate to it, that's fine, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's a quote-unquote bad trope. Um, it's not a trope at all. To me, that's just reality. And yet it was called out. And so a little bit, I felt, I guess, guess one reason why this made me so annoyed was because mixed in with some good things that I think it'd be good for people to consider, it was some things that are just based upon your experience or your preference. And it basically was sort of like, um, if you like these things or write these things, you're bad. And uh, what I would also say is that if I have a really, really good orgasm, my thighs do quiver. They tremble a yeah. little from the muscle. I mean, it's like, if you've never had that, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but for me, it's usually, for me, that thigh quiver. Get a magic wand. On with like an <laughs> orgasm that's, it's usually with the orgasm building, is when it starts to get really intense, my legs will start to shake. Um, it, so the fact that she can't relate to that, this is why I said I read, read this and I was like, have you never had good sex? You poor thing. Um. Now, I agree with her that shower sex is overrated. My experience on shower sex is that it's pretty overrated. But I think pool sex, I think I don't sex like... involving water and a vagina is yeah. is circumspect. It's because really... um, it... <laughs> but it, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy reading the fantasy of somebody else having a really good shower sex in possibly a better shower that's bigger than mine with lo- a bigger hot water heater. Um it may be a bit. There are ways. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to have to really try really good shower sex at some point. Um, and if the shower the person has is set up for that, then that's then then I will enjoy reading the scene. Um, and she talks about one of the things she says is in these showers never have any mildew. Excuse me, my shower never has any fucking mildew. So, uh, I now I worry about both the state of her sex life and her state of her shower. And her shower. <laughs> because uh, I 
I if I got into a shower with somebody and it was covered in mildew, I'll get right back out. I'm sorry, I have OCD issues about cleanliness. But There's no fucking way. Um, ladies, raise your hand if your partner has ever offered to wash your hair. Yeah, I can raise hello. my hand for that. I, I have, um, and sometimes I let him, and sometimes I don't, because <laughs> he's on a very good job of it. <laughs> I have issues. I like my scalp to be done a certain way. <laughs> yeah, but I've had a I, I've had a head to toe shower at the hands of a man. So I don't know mm-hmm. who she's dating, but she needs to broaden her horizons a little bit. Really? Because I, I have had, um, I really like having my hair washed. I like it a lot. I wouldn't know that if people hadn't been doing it for me. So now I'm off. I need a guy college with an absolute fetish for washing other people's hair. I mean, letting him wash my hair was a good way to get laid <laughs> again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it just it just went on it. So so like there was like this section of things that I was like, yeah, that's true. That's not very realistic. It probably is a trope that we need to do away with. Um, and then there's this stuff. It's like okay, that's just words. Words are evolving. Language changes. Some people are slow to adapt. Um, and then there's this stuff. that's like wow, you have really bad sex slash health slash a dirty shower. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The, some of it, I just I just got so irritated with this thing because I've seen stuff like this, people putting out, oh, we should stop having things that aren't realistic in in, in erotica. And it was like, oh, shut up. I mean, I you just, don't I want reality they, in erotica because, oh, you know, beyond the queef, there is the fact that when two people get sweaty, you stick together and it's awkward and then, you know, it's kind of hard to get a grip. And, le- and let's talk about fucking on a waterbed. Have you tried? Let's not. It's, it's not really a very unfortunate. It is, it is not a good experience to try. I will tell but you the, you know. the position that, that on a waterbed that is most likely to you be able to get through it without dying is the sec- is the, this is going to give you the most queefing. So, um Doggy style. Yeah, don't. Yeah, because you need to have some kind of leverage. As the, as well, the other need, way you can achieve it. If you are flat on your belly, practically with just your hips tilted up, and he's just moving his hips, where he's like basically lying on you and just moving his hips, right? You're going to affect the motion of the bed the least, but you're going to get a lot of air pumped in. It's the position. It's the <laughs> angle that the penis is entering the vagina. It's going to push air in every single thrust so yeah no water beds okay so that's the water bed is not sexy um the, the skin sticks together and there's no slick sliding around you're stuck and you're all and then okay okay so if you're using a condom less mess if you're not using a condom the body male or female does not absorb cum cum will come back out of the orifice that it is put into it doesn't absorb it when you put it on the skin either. And ladies, if you thinking that's never happened to me, you ever go to the bathroom and you, when you pee, there's like bubbles in the toilet after sex. It's kind of foamy. Yes, that's cum <laughs> coming yeah. out of your vagina. <laughs> yeah, come back out. What goes, gentlemen? What goes in must come out. 
And let's not even get it. We won't get into the realities of anal sex because, folks, you should be able to imagine it, okay? And I don't want that reality. Okay, and finally, the number one thing that never comes up in erotica that is absolutely a thing that we all know and everybody ignores it is sex stinks. It is smelly. And some people, sex chemicals can smell outrageously terrible together. Some is just normal sex smell, and then there's like, I, I knew a girl, and she dated this guy in college, and for some reason, the two of them together made the most horrific smell I've ever. <laughs> we bought that girl for some Febreze for the hall and her room. <laughs> I just, it was, I don't know what it was, but we were so grateful when they broke up. And also, that sex smell is compounded by the use of condoms. Because if there's anything more disgusting smelling than a used condom, I'm not sure what it would be. Would it involve no. sex? So these are things that are uh, not sexy that take place. It's kind of like when I tell you guys, just assume that my characters are going to the bathroom off screen. Because no one needs to see my characters taking a shit. No, they really don't. I'm really glad you don't do that because I, I just I assume people pee and brush their teeth. I assume people clean up after they have sex. You know, I just we don't need the blow blow. I mean, some people get so into the blow by blow about warm rags and where they wipe from and in which order they wipe. It's like oh, first no. he cleaned up his penis and then he cleaned his butt. And it's like jeez, no, nope. really, we don't need that. Do we need this? No, you don't because. Because your story, this, these he stories did are it. already you know, here, the Here's the clean-up line. He went into the bathroom, did a quick clean-up, and went back to bed. Yeah. That's there it. You go. That's Done. it. Plagiarize it. Use it. Use it in every story. You're welcome. <laughs> Steal my words. Use them. <laughs> we don't need to know about how he cleaned out his ass crack, okay? We really don't. It's just not fun, okay? So trying to make, trying to diss on erotica for being unrealistic because the people are too fit or they're too sexy or whatever, it's just like that's the genre, okay? It's like you might as well just say stop reading erotica. Um, and there was something else that she really had a hate on for. What was it? Oh, this one irritated me. I can't say that I particularly love giving blowjobs, but I do know men and women who do, that oral sex is their jam. It's like saying, and the fact that the flip side of that is she's basically saying that there aren't any men who really love to go down on women, and there are. So I tell you, the guy um, after college, I don't know senior year of college that could have an orgasm eating a woman out. If that's somebody's kink and they're getting to do it, some people really, now I would say the majority of the women, more than half do it with somebody they care about when the mood inspires them. Um, But there is some percentage of people who like to do it and some who really like to do it. So I just like to do it because I like to be in control. Yeah, it's always and you are never more in control of a man is when you have your his dick in your mouth. (laughs) 
So Just one saying. of the tropes that she thinks she needs to be done away with, and this is number 18, folks, is that women love giving blowjobs, always love giving blowjobs. Um, but she didn't seem to call out that, you know, in actually in, in contemporary erotica, usually the guy goes down on women and love doing it. So she didn't call that out. That reminds um, me of that thing that Madonna said about Fifty Shades of Grey. When she read it, she said um, uh, the most unrealistic part was how often Christian went down. <laughs> Now, I've not read Fifty Shades of Grey. I've not seen the movie. I will not. We won't go there. But um, it was just really funny that that's that that's the part that she called out that that Christian that Christian Grey um, went down on Anastasia too often. Is that her name? Anastasia? Anna? Anastasia? Her name's Anastasia something. I don't. I don't. I don't know beyond the Anastasia. So apparently that was the part that Madonna felt was the most unrealistic <laughs> of the whole book. That could was be. like to eat pussy too much. <clears throat> and I'll be um, honest, when I'm writing a male-female pairing, I tend to write that. And I tend to write Harry, Harry um, actually really enjoying that as being one of his things that he really enjoys. Because to me, as a woman, there is nothing sexier than a man who likes to go down. Who really enjoys it? I wouldn't want a man to do it for me if they didn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So if they're forcing having a man really yeah. digs it. That wouldn't be hot. Between your legs is the bomb. dot com guys. <laughs> yeah. So I but tend to, to write that. Kind of, but to, basically, this what this line and this thing is basically saying is that if you write characters who enjoy performing oral sex that it's not realistic and it's just trope that needs to die in a fire. And it's like, really? Really? Okay. I, this, this whole thing, if, you, if, we, if, you, if you wrote a story that met the, these guidelines, that I would think the sex would be really under, underwhelming. I mean, you have to stop and go, I mean, so she needs to be worried about UTIs constantly. There needs to be a moment in the story where they can't have sex because she's got a yeast infection. Um, they need to have sex once where she doesn't come, but he does. She doesn't like giving oral, so she doesn't. I mean, yeah, that I'm sure that relationship exists. I actually think if you're in that relationship, you need to, get, you know, possibly get a sex therapist, um, maybe get a new partner because it doesn't sound very good. Or to and yes, our body Hatachi magic wand. <laughs> get you, yeah, or get you a Lilo or something. Um, I love my Lilo. It's my bestest. It's my second bestest friend. Yeah, and she makes an assumption. The thing about the hair washing is, she says, "Ladies, raise your hand if your partner has ever offered to wash your hair." And then she puts in brackets, "No hands raised." I'm sorry. Yes, there. I will raise all the hands. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think she's ever been in a relationship with somebody who really loves her, and that's that's kind of sad. Yeah, or someone who wasn't even really into her, because when you're really into somebody and you get in the shower with them, you just want to keep touching, you know, and you just want to. What, be yeah, in their space. What's the point of what's the point of showering together if you're that is the point of showering together, right? Is you're giving each I mean, other a shower. Do it to cons- I guess there's some people do it to conserve water. 
there might be more effective you know, ways no, to that's conserve not true, water. I have never had a shower with another person where we actually conserve water. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, me either. I shower faster by myself. <laughs> um, let me just go back up. Um, women never have had that, have never had pain or hesitation when he wants to put something up their butts. Um, some women really like anal sex and they don't have any pain or hesitation about it. Some women don't like it, but presumably in the fantasy world, a woman who is having anal sex with a guy. Now I agree. It's a little bit unrealistic that most women would for their first time out are going to have a really super rock star experience with it, but that doesn't mean no women do. Um, yeah, it's just, that's just, it's just, there's some there's her generalizations about women's experiences of sex is almost more offensive than and actually to me it's actually more offensive than erotica tropes to be to, unrealistic erotica tropes because I do agree that there are some cliches in the way the sex is written like that women nearly come from having their nipples blown on is probably it's been I've seen it a lot it's a little ridiculous I don't know any women who come from having their nipples blown on but. Um, I also I can don't, I can get no pretty close over it. when mine are being sucked. I can get pretty close. Yes, I do know people who are very hair trigger when it comes to like that with a little bit more stimulation with the nipples. People are very sensitive in the nipples, um, but just okay. blowing. I agree. I, I've seen that, which is to blow a breath across the nipple is just. I've seen it, but I and I I agree. I think it's absurd, but. Um, well, there's a you, there's a biological thing with the vagina and getting your nipples sucked, and it has to do with breastfeeding. Um, one of the reasons why um, you're encouraged to breastfeed is it makes your your vaginal muscles and clench. It's like a it's a drive. It's a thing, um, and a lot of women actually enjoy breastfeeding as a result. But the point is, is that your nipples and getting them stimulated to a great degree and getting a lot of suckage can cause your vaginal muscles to clench. If you've got a, a really strong reaction to that, if you can clench your muscles and come, say, with um, Kegel exercises, because it is like a Kegel exercise. It's a, it, 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 it induces a Kegel-like experience in your vagina. Um, women can come from Kegel exercises. And there's even a small fraction of women who come when they breastfeed. There's a lot of... um, I'm not saying breastfeeding is sexual. I'm saying that sometimes your body responds. That's like some women um, have been known to have orgasms during childbirth. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) just to to lump lump every... And somebody asked if she's young. I I would guess just by looking at her, I'd say she's in her mid-30s, but I don't know. Um, I don't think she's had anyway, um, very sex. <laughs> but to just generalize, basically, it's just take. Basically, she's dumped a bunch of, you know, bad sex experiences and decided that anything that contradicts them are erotica tropes that aren't good. Um, because I do think that there are some cliches that are a little bit absurd. Um, but most of the things. Actually, the more I read her stuff, the more I read this list, the more I um, the more I think that a lot of it is just absurd. 
And and the thing is, I actually I I commented um on the on the on the original post where I saw this about that you know some of the things I agree with are a little bit overdone or they they're not realistic or they need to go, but that the that the list was just basically overgeneralizing and stuff, and um. And it came back, they got a response to basically said, well, but still not realistic. Well, no, but that's not the point. Who reads erotica for reality? And if I don't, it, and, and it, there's kind of, and there's been like this insidious thing that I've been reading more and more, see, seeing more and more and more in the last few years, um, that reading a fantasy, reading anything that is really divorced from reality is somehow bad. That if you write guys who have muscles and a big dick, that that that's or you read it, that that's somehow bad. That you're being judged. That, that it, it makes you your reading choices less. And I, I mean, part of part of kind of the evolution, I think, that has been good, um, the trends in, in people becoming more open-minded is that people are very open about what they read and like whatever you want to read is okay. And so we came out of you know people came out of the sort of the closet, so to speak, about reading um, erotica or reading fan fiction and that, that it's okay to read what you find entertaining. Um, and this kind of this trend towards it's not realistic enough or you're objectifying men or you're objectifying gay men or you're objectifying women, it's pushing people's reading preferences back into the closet. It's making it shameful again. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with people being shamed for wanting to read about idealized sex. I mean, who cares? Why does anybody care? I just don't, I a lot people of people really care mad. about things that are absolutely none of their business. <laughs> I like to read books about men with big dicks, fucking really attractive people. Of various genders, because I'm not picky when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whoever you want, man. By the way, this are this this article was written in 2014, so this isn't a this this was this was when I first I would say about four or five years ago is when I first started seeing this kind of judgy trend emerging, um, but it's just continuing more and more and more. Um, I was on a thread on a Facebook group about, um, you know, that guys are tired of seeing men being depicted as all having hard bodies and big dicks, and it's it's not it's not realistic, and da da da. da. And I was like, I'll just um, put a picture up of the newest Sports Illustrated swimming d- edition and then walk away. Fuck you. Yeah, it's like yeah, wah. Just fuck I you. Mean, I mean, on the on the one hand, on the one hand, part of me is like, I hear you. You don't you feeling objectified. And you're feeling like it, 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 that the gay men are being objectified in this in this particular case. Although heterosexual men aren't any less objectified in romances and erotica, quite frankly. Um, so it's not a, it, this is not a gay straight thing, folks. This is just in fiction. People tend to write um, an idealized version of the main comparing, um, and that that's because that's what people want to read. So it is not about um, picking um, one sexual orientation and objectifying the men, gay men in, in male, male books, that's, which is where I'm seeing a lot of this discussion. It's not any different. The men are not any less idealized in 
um, in straight books. That's just, I just don't find that to be the case. So this is just a case of everybody's equally objectified in these genres. And if you don't like it, well, A, don't read something different. B, don't read it. You know? What? You know, I remember being, um, it was about years ago, I was reading a Nora Roberts novel, and I actually had a hard copy, which is unusual for me. But um, I didn't have the ebook version, and I didn't want to buy the ebook version, so I just pulled the hard copy off my um, shelf and took it to, I was at Starbucks, I think. And um, this dude sitting next to me, he says, Oh, you're reading a romance novel. Real snotty. And I said, Yeah. Me and about 85% of the reading public do that. What? I said, yeah, romance is about 87, uh, 85% of the fiction market. So books like I read, they make it possible to have books like you read published. Because the book he was reading. I said, because you know, if the publisher wasn't making hand over fist publishing books like I do, like, like, like I like to read, they wouldn't have the funds to publish a book like you like to read. Now, back to my reading. I put my headphones on so he couldn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because that's the truth. Um, and I, I think people, on the, there is, a, there is a, a, a legitimate case to be made. People say, I want to feel... Um, I want to be able to relate to the characters. I want to relate to the heroine um, or whatever. I think I can understand that. I can understand, like, you know, but by the same token, there was a trend, I want to say, like, in the 90s especially, um, there was a, a, a spate for a while, maybe it, was, maybe it was in the early aughts, I don't quite remember, where there were a lot of romances with um, – some degree of plus size woman in in yeah the big the beautiful heroine. woman trend the the the, the, the full figured heroine the full, yeah. yeah I think that's I want to but say, what I would in the 90s, say but about that is that the romance genre isn't about seeing yourself in the character um, it's about seeing the character in you it's about imagining yourself as that character you find relatable characters to you in chiclet. And in women's fiction, if you want to relate to a character, you read Nicholas Sparks. I'm just saying. Well, I don't, but you know. Well, no, I don't but, either. But that's the point. That's the point that I'm making is that romance isn't for that. That's that's what chiclet is. You want to relate to a girl who can't keep a man and, and weighs too much? Read Bridget Jones. I enjoyed those books. Yeah, I really related but, to Bridget. But when I read the, when I read when I read some of the big beautiful woman books, and and whenever they first started becoming kind of a, a significant trend in romance, um, I never read. I don't think I ever ran across that in, in any of the books I picked up in um, erotica, but definitely in romance, there was I read quite a few. I was often really found it the way it was approached really awesome. Now I'm not saying there weren't good ones out there that I didn't run across, but the approach to it was often something that like she's super insecure about her weight and can't quite trust his affections because um, he's, he's into her despite her weight. You know, why would he like her with her 
you know, the extra, and, and usually it was something like 30 pounds, right? Or 20 pounds. She's 20 pounds overweight and she can't figure out why he'd be into her. Um, yeah. Cause she's a size I, 12 and that's just the most terrible thing ever. Yeah. I, I like reading <laughs> stories about women who are strong and confident. I'm not interested in reading about anybody's insecurities. Not, no, I don't mean they can't be insecure at all, but when there's a big focus in the relationship about how she's not pretty enough for him or not sexy enough for him, I just like I can't. I just nope right out. I I I don't I don't want to read that. I mean, somebody else may really relate to that and really in, enjoy reading somebody overcoming their insecurities. It's not anything that I personally would want to read. So that to me was not an improvement. I would rather read about a woman who's curvy and confident. Um, and that that doesn't even be, but there was so much focus on her size in some fashion that it became more about um, her being justified than it was just this, a romance. It also comes about justifying how this really hot, attractive man can find this fat girl attractive. Yeah. And I just don't want to read that. I don't want to read that. Probably the the most beautiful couple I've ever known in real life because I'm not counting, you know, photo brush celebrities. I mean, uh, Photoshop celebrities, airbrush celebrities. I the most the most the most beautiful couple I've ever known in real life. Um, I I don't have for sure they're super into each other, super into each other, regardless of anything else. They have they're very compatible interests. Um, they make each other laugh. I don't get either of their sense of humor. But whatever, they make each other laugh. They're both very kind of slapsticky kind of slapsticky kind of sense of humor. Um, and honestly, that's I think sense of humor is very key in a relationship. If, you, if your sense of humor doesn't gel, um, that's just tragic. But anyway, um, I have no. But, but they have so many factors that make them attractive to each other. Um, but he is very very fit, always been very fit, and she's she's curvier. She's not really like she's not obese, but she's definitely. Her doctor's always bugging her and got losing 20 or 30 pounds. But I've never questioned why these two people are attracted to each other. I've never questioned that he thinks she's the most beautiful thing. And honestly, I think she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. So, um, but her weight is just not a factor. And writing a romance about those two, you wouldn't, I don't know why you would focus on their, her body, her, her being curvy. I just don't think it would, other than describing her, her body, I don't know why that would be a focus. And that's what I don't enjoy about um, books that focus like that is because it starts to feel mm-hmm. less about the romance and more about acceptance of her body. And body acceptance is a self-help genre. It's not romance to me it's not erotica that's that's the kind of thing that will throw me right out of the story is starting to feel like i'm reading a self-help book um and so i'm all for body positivity i just i just when you start focusing on the body positivity more than you're focusing on the romance or the erotica i feel like we've lost the plot uh, and that's my opinion now, people will buy, but the thing is, there are people who find that very entertaining and will buy it, and that's fine. I'm not trying to shame them into not reading it. So, and I think that that's, I think that's the thing that really, the thing that put me on my soapbox is I'm tired of just people feeling shamed 
about what they want to read. And I don't mean pedo stuff because, yes, we do, we do shame people who like to read about people having sex with little kids. But, you know, like society, that's sort of like a societal, you know, society's standard, society's more, we don't do that. Um, so, yeah, there's – but in general, if we're talking about adult and consensual <sighs> – I just I'm not I'm not I'm not for people for us taking our reading preferences back behind book covers and lying about what we're reading. You know? Um do you, I mean I don't want to go back to the day people are telling you that they're reading great expectations when they're really sitting there reading um erotica. Fifty shades of gray. Have, <laughs> we shouldn't have to ha- we shouldn't have to lie like that anymore. I know that I've asked Fifty Shades of Grey and I have in the past, but if you read it and you enjoyed it Good for you. But if you would like to read some really solid BDSM, you let me know (laughs) because I have a list of much better books. She has some, and she'll point you in the right direction. (laughs) Um, I'll set you up. (laughs) And here's a moment from this this article. I'm going to defend, sort of, Fifty Shades of Grey for a second. Um, Aside from defend it in the sex... In, in the way that like you, you read it if you want to read it. And honestly, if, if you read it and it inspired you to ask for something you wanted in your sex life and you're happy with that, you're happy with where that took you, Good. great. Good. I wish you had read something better. But anyway, um, one of the things on her list was that about characters getting aroused by dirty talk, right? And she never laughs at or guesses, second guesses his dirty talk or thinks it's anything but completely hot, even though he's usually shit at it. That's what she says, right? So the, assum- the assumption is most men are bad at dirty talk. That's, that's the generalization here. Um, and that women usually laugh at men's dirty talk um, or second guesses it and that they usually don't think it's hot. I don't know about any of those generalizations. Um, what I do know is usually if you're into somebody, it, I would say it's rare if someone's trying to speak dirty that I, I would laugh at them over it. I mean, it'd have to be really absurd. It'd have to really there was my one. funny bone. But in general, that something got said to that? me in the middle of sex. And we both stopped because he stopped when he said it. And we looked at each other. <laughs> And then we both busted out laughing. I was like, dude. <laughs> Please don't ever yeah, use every that once in a while. <laughs> every once in a while. But the thing is, this links into um, the reason I'm defending Fifty Shades of Grey is because what it did is there's a link. There was a link at the end of that Dirty Talk thing. that he, that he The part in it that said that he's basically shit at Dirty Talk, well, that was underlined. It was a link. And I'm like, well, what is that link taking me to? And what it took me to was well, that it was, a word, it was a word cloud of all of the Christian Grey's Dirty Talk from Fifty Shades of Grey. And then it says underneath that, and it only proves that he's terrible at it. And I was like, okay, well, it's a word cloud, so it's not actual lines of dialogue. So what can you deduce from a word cloud? And the, and the answer is not much because it's just a bunch of words that are basic in dirty talk. So um, I, don't, I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grace. I don't know if his dirty talk was any good or not. What I do know is using words like wet and make and fuck and ready and want, those, that's not bad dirty talk. 
Okay, I don't know what order those words were put together in, but it doesn't that using explicit words or even basic words doesn't mean that your dirty talk is bad. There's your word cloud on um, the dirty words, and because there's just nothing particularly. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's it. Well, word clouds is just finding the most common words he used in his dirty talk dialogue. It doesn't mean anything. This means nothing. No, that doesn't, and yet, that doesn't mean anything at all. Yeah, and yet it was determined that the editors basically put together and said that he's shitty at dirty talk because these are the words he uses. Um, okay. I mean, what, do they want erotic poetry? What are they looking for? I like my dirty talk very blunt. I don't know if Christian Gray's Dirty Talk was any good or not. Because like I said, I haven't read the book. But what I do know is that that set of words is pretty standard staple of blunt dirty talk. So what's the problem? Um, what I have learned from this article most is that I would not want to have sex with this woman. <laughs> true, true that. True that. <laughs> she sounds kind of boring. <laughs> no offense, girl. I, I read your bio. I, I know you're a feminist. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ask, but thanks for telling me. I don't know. It's just, I... Like I said, I agree with her. Maybe I should mention the parts that I agree with. Um... I gotta go back to the top because the stuff that I like, I think I think I agree with. Um, I agree. The climaxing on demand is overdone. I don't think it is unheard of. Um, I don't think that it is something that needs to actually go away. But I do think it's overdone. I think it's better placed a lot in BDSM where um, mm-hmm. there's a a structure for that and a <laughs> kind of a training for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You basically train for it. Yeah. It does take but, a little training to be able to come on demand. But in, during sex, if you are in tune to your partner, you know when they're about to come. Right. So you can give the order at the right moment, and it has not, and, and it seems like that they came on demand. But it just you just happened. It's just timing. You can make it a little sexy. Yeah, do that for me. It's not abnormal. <laughs> it's what I was. It's just. It's just. I don't know what. I'm. I'm. I'm left wondering what she wants because she really doesn't want nitty gritty sex either. No, she doesn't want erotica. So I'm not sure. Maybe she wants to read. Um... Um, oh, what was that erotic and author that number six? Um, number six, his length. Her I'm comment in, is called dick. No, honey, it's called a cock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got that one wrong. Um, I also think women women coming strictly from penetrative sex. I do think that's overdone. Not 
completely unrealistic. Women do come from penetrative sex. It depends upon, usually upon how well their G-spot is stimulated. Um, but it is not as unheard of. Yeah, position. And also position the fact that a lot of, you know, for, for women, um, sex is a head game. And if you get in a woman's head um, and you're stimulating her just right, Penetrative sex is absolutely, po- you know, or an orgasm during penetrative sex is absolutely possible. And number, there are two different orgasms. There's a clit, there's an orgasm with the clit and an orgasm with the G spot, and they are not the same. Now, I would, I would my, say my personal experience is that the the orgasms from penetrative sex are extremely rare. It has nothing to do with skill of partner. It's just not when my body's wired. Um, so I would, but I do think it's a little bit overdone. But does that mean it needs to go away? Is people writing that trope? No, because again, it's fantasy sex. I I think it's I like the idea that women are coming from penetrative sex. Why not? My G spot is kind of swollen up off the floor of my vagina, so I actually do come often with penetrative sex, um, and easily. Uh, and that's I, I know that's rare and kind of lucky, but. The, and um, I actually have to, um, with the gynecologist, she has to use the smaller speculum because the big one scrapes over my G-spot and it's agonizing. <laughs> and I can't use tampons because of it. Um, because the tampon will rub up against my G-spot and kind of make it raw because of the cotton. It's not fun. Yeah, that doesn't sound. And whereas I'm, I'm like on the opposite end of that spectrum. Mine's almost hidden. It's like all really hard. To, it's really hard to get to. And it's the angle. It's just the angle. Just the ang- some angles that make things very difficult on the G spot front. And the position I have to be in during penetrative sex for that to get hit correctly, mm, not one I actually particularly enjoy being in. So it's just not something that is part of my particular reality. Um, but I've slept with women who had very sensitive G-spots. So, you know, it's just her generalization is really reflective of her sexual experience, I would guess. It's also, I think, um, damaging when you're talking to an entire – because this is a Cosmo. You're talking to an entirely female audience. I think that this is a, a damaging uh, position to take. But it's also the same problem I have with Lacey Green on um, YouTube, um, where she often um, makes sweeping generalizations um, in her conversations about sex. And I know she's trying to educate people, but the one that really pissed me off the most um, is when she was talking about virginity and um, the hymen and how um, if it's done properly, it wouldn't hurt. It doesn't hurt for anybody if it's done properly. That's not that's 100 percent not true. Um, and you see, I I want these young people watching this video and male or female and thinking, oh my God, I did it wrong. And I really hurt my girlfriend or whatever. When a lot of times the hymen is too thick to be stretched out and there's going to be blood and there's going to be pain and there's going to be even tearing the, the first couple of times you have sex. And this video she did was just completely she just generalized the whole thing, I think, based on her own experience. And it's just don't make sweeping generalizations when it comes to sex like that because you set people up and you give them false a false sense of um, security or um, you know, it's just feeding ignorance. Yeah. 
Well, and then the funny thing is she, in some way, kind of, she makes all these sweeping generalizations in this, and yet she even kind of contradicts herself because um, I, one of the things I do think that I agree with her about is the idea that men are always infinitely more sexual experienced than their partners. That's really, that's, that's a really outdated trope. Um, some people really want that fantasy, so I'm not going to say that it has to go away, but it is an outdated trope for sure. Um, but that he also always knows more about her vagina than her, even though, and this is the part where she contradicts herself, women's vaginas and pleasure profiles are like snowflakes, no two are alike. So she admits that women's pleasure profiles are different, and yet she basically then generalizes what we like throughout the rest of the article. Um, I do think that it's another outdated trope that a man understands a woman's pleasure better than she does. I say that, but then turn it right around and recently heard about, a, about this growing number of problems with young women who don't know how to find their vagina. Or think young women who think vagina. that they pee out of their vagina. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I knew a girl in college who thought that. She said that she always had to pee before she took out her tampon so that the tampon would be loose enough to take out. And I was like, honey... What? Come here and sit by me. We need to have a really... I said, um, do you think that you pee out of the same hole that you're bleeding out of? And she said, yes, of course. And I'm like, no. No, you don't. I said, the reason that it's easier to take a tampon out after you've urinated out of your urethra, which is up there by your clit, you know what your clit is, right? <laughs> She said, yeah. I said, that's because your muscles are relaxed and it's easier to pull the tampon out because you've emptied your bladder and the muscles in your vagina are no longer supporting a heavy bladder. So everything kind of relaxes. It makes it easier to take a tampon out. That's why it's easier. It's not because it's getting the tampon wet with pee. Okay. <laughs> She looked at me like I had told her the earth evolved around the sun. I, I, I said, you know what? We're going to go to the library. We're going to get a book. <laughs> we need to have, we a, have book. a book. <laughs> and this I problem, surprised this no pro- one to know that she went to school in Texas. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, they, you know, and the thing is, this this particular problem... I get that language evolves. This particular problem of women not understanding their anatomy, their own anatomy, it is both a societal problem, but it is also because we have started using vagina in a colloquial way. We use it to mean everything a lady has got below the waist. And that is not accurate. People don't know what their actual vagina is. And so that particular colloquial use of vagina is not helping our ignorance issue. The other thing okay, for those, helping it go ahead. is school systems like Texas, where they don't teach uh, yeah. women about their bodies. So for those of you who are curious, male and female alike, the vagina is the canal between the opening of the body and the uterus. It's it is the, the part canal. that the penis, the birth canal, it is the part the penis goes into. And while we're on that subject, Erotica writers in fandom, particularly, if a man pushes his penis so far into a woman, injures her uterus, that woman is going to need medical assistance. 
the penis does not go into the uterus. It does not, it should not go past the cervix. That's not how that works. And the outside of your um, your genitals, that's vulva. <laughs> that's not vagina. <laughs> yeah. Somebody decided, someone somewhere decided that they didn't like the word vulva and that vagina was a more appealing word. And so we were just going to call it, we were going to use vagina instead of vulva, even though it isn't the same thing. And then we have... <sighs> Terrible. It's terrible. I told, I told, I mentioned to, to the bitches, um, um, oh, let me just address answer. So 40 years ago, I think that um, um, sex ed in Texas probably was better than it is now. Today. But um, a quarter of the Texas In Texas, they're school, teaching the kids there that slaves um, were indentured servants. So, yeah, you can imagine the state of their, edu- their education when it comes to sex. Over a quarter of Texas public schools don't teach sex ed at all. That wow. Was a year ago. They don't teach it at all because they are not required to. So to some degree, whether or not you get taught anything about sex or your body in Texas depends upon the county you live in and what the school board has decided will be taught. So if you were taught sex ed or are being taught sex ed in a county in Texas, it's because you have a progressive school board, not because of um, anything particularly wonderful about the state of Texas. So, and there are many states that have taken that view that we don't need to take sex ed. Um, but anyway, I was mentioning to the bitches recently that when I took when I, when they taught and I was in, I went in this grade I was in Georgia um, when I went through health class they call it they call it health class. Um, in Georgia, and they started talking about women's menstruation and explaining to us about our bodies. They separated the boys from the girls to talk about menstruation. Um, We were told, because, of course, girls want to know what to expect is going to happen, right? We were told, don't worry, you're only going to lose a couple of tablespoons of blood a month. That's all it is. It always seems like more, but it's not more than a couple of tablespoons. I have been betrayed, felt betrayed by that lie every month my entire life. Every month. It's a lie, and I don't know any woman, any woman who that's their experience. Now, I'm sure she's out there. Bless you, I don't like you her. lucky bitch. You lucky bitch. <laughs> I just all I can say is, if that bitch is out there, I don't like her. I'm sorry, I don't like you, but I don't like you. I remember hearing that in health class, and me and me and my friend were exchanging looks. My teacher was male, and he caught me looking, and he asked me, he was, "What are you looking at? What's going on, ladies? Ladies?" It was all very patronizing. I said, "The textbook's not accurate." He said, what? So not accurate. The textbook is not accurate. The average woman loses a hell of a lot more blood, and I did say hell, than a few tablespoons. I would say upwards of a couple of cups, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He goes, that's not true. I said, do you have a vagina? I got sent to the assistant principal's office. And so I go in there, and he says, why are you in here? I said, because I asked the coach if he had a vagina <laughs> I guess that was impertinent <laughs> he said well go to the library <laughs> so I went to the library <laughs> why are you here I asked the coach if he had a vagina did he answer 
never did get an answer to my question, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but he didn't like me after that for the rest of the year. And then a couple years later, he had my sister. He didn't like her either on principle, I guess. Twat. So the whole thing about men knowing more about women's bodies, I don't think women often know enough about their bodies, but certainly men don't know more about it. That's pretty unrealistic. But there are there are some very experienced men out there who are very focused on women's pleasure. So it's not like these unicorns are actually all that rare. They do exist. They're just taken. Sorry, ladies. Um <laughs> They're rarely on the market long. <laughs> no, some some woman gets with oh this, I, this is this one. that's what we call a keeper, um, and some men. I mean, I would say if you're if you're if you're actually good at sex, you're you're it's pretty easy to 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 learn, ask, figure out what turns a woman on. It's not like she has to have bad sex with you in order to figure out how to have good sex. And that idea, I think, is more of a damaging myth than the experienced man who always gets his woman off. Because the well, idea that you have say, to put up with bad sex with somebody in order to have good sex is ridiculous. The That's sexiest bad thing a man can do is ask me what gets mm-hmm. me off. And I'm like, okay then. <laughs> Let's get this going. <laughs> we got work to do. <laughs> Let's talk about shampooing my hair. <laughs> Start. You want to start with yeah. a shower? Because that gets me really relaxed. <laughs> um, so I'm going down her list about trying to figure out what's realistic. We, we've talked about the thigh quivering thing. I don't think thighs quiver the minute a guy kisses you. That's more weak in the knees thing. Um, but yeah, that I, mean, I, I, I've gotten a little weak yeah, in the I, knees before. It happened. I've, I've, oh yeah, I've done had the week. I, I, I've, I've opened my knees buckle. There was, there was this guy. I, mean, I don't, I don't know how he learned to kiss, but damn, I was, I was sixteen, I think. I said, I don't know where this guy learned to kiss, but it was like, I, I, I it, it stands out. It's like one of the best kisses of my life. I'm like, why did he have to set the bar so fucking high? Um, right. But. We've talked about the thigh quivering thing. It happens. It especially happens the closer to orgasm um, some women are. Um, The whole muscles start to tremble. So she's just, she's never had a a thigh trembling orgasm. Um, Get you a Lilo girl. Get you a magic wand. Do something. Make it better. Um, We talked about the climaxing from almost nothing. Um, I think it's an overdone trope, but again, saying that it's not in anybody's sexual experience is an overgeneralization that's that's really damaging. Um, let's see. Um, no one sees anything when sex is had in a car. Improbable, I agree, that the number of people who have sex in a car, they're, never, they're not caught. But, again, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. I who have, wants to... I'm going to confess something. I've had sex in a car and not gotten caught, so... I've had sex in a Walmart parking lot in a car and didn't get caught. Well, good for you. <laughs> I'm just saying, it is 
entirely possible <laughs> to have sex. It's possible. <laughs> Around I used to hand job in a parking lot once. <laughs> not actual sex. But the one thing she I think she specifically called it out is somebody at a concert having sex in a car and no one notices. I have had sex in a parking lot at a concert and I mean, maybe somebody noticed, but they didn't say anything. They didn't stick around. They didn't call security. But the thing was, most people were in the concert. And I think there were like 50,000 people at this concert. So it's not like people were really, and it was nighttime. I don't think people were damn paying attention to what was happening in people's cars, but whatever. Um, again, I thought like this, this, this is, like I said, I know that this woman, this, this to me seems like, lack of experience, but I could be wrong. Or maybe she's just seen it so much that nobody ever gets caught. But again, most people don't want to read about somebody getting arrested for public indecency. That's not no, what most people are reading erotica to read about. That's it's not, not the fantasy. No, it's not. Because getting arrested in books um, for, 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 for public lewdness is, is not typically sexy erotic material. It actually would really ruin the date. Just saying. Um, well, that didn't go well. We've talked about <laughs> the desire pulling in her belly. I agree with I agree with her uh, completely about the ass to vaginal sex, um, but I don't know where she's reading that because that's not in any of the professionally published erotica I've read. Um, no, I have from a I've from a reputable publisher. From a reputable, but publisher. I think I did it, once read it once on Literotica, but that's not professionally published. <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen it in fan fiction more than I've seen it from a reputable publisher. So again, but this could be a reflection of what people are seeing in actual porn because there is a lot of ass to vagina in porn. Um, Fortunately. Actually, which is deeply unfortunate. It makes men assume that they can do that. No, you can't, gentlemen. You can't. The vagina is a very delicate balance of chemicals and good bacteria. Do not put ass bacteria in the vagina. You'd like to visit the vagina very soon because you'll mess the vagina up and then you will not be getting any vagina. <laughs> the pussy will be on lockdown. We talked about the sex god, what the washing her hair. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's not a, it, it may be a trope, but it has happened to enough people that it shouldn't be anybody's issue. We talked about shower sex. Any sex involving water is overrated. Um, but that could be an experience thing. If you haven't had water sex, it may, sex in water. Um, I would actually say the bigger the bigger trope that I think is worse than that, and it's a water trope. But when you take water and sand, you've made the sex ten times worse. Um, so sex on a beach. If you've never done sex on a beach, stick don't. a drink. Okay, don't do it. You don't want. You don't. <laughs> don't don't do that. That places is places that don't. No, you don't want sand and and ocean water in your vagina. You don't. So, you really or, don't. honestly, because you're going to be on bottom, ladies, you don't want it in your ass crack either. No. I mean, sandpaper is called the thing for a reason, and you run around exactly. on sand enough, and it is, it is like it being shaped with sandpaper. And the thing is, 
but again, this is a fantasy. So if somebody hasn't experienced that, it would throw me right out because I've tried sex in a hot tub. I've tried sex in a pool. I've tried sex in the shower and nearly killed myself. And I have had sex on a beach. And because I have experience with that, I know it's not fun. And so to me, you know what is really good outdoor sex, going camping, not having a tent, just sleeping bags in a kind of, uh, a time between fall and summer and the mountain air is a little cool and the sky is clear. There's nothing Everything wrong with camping. Everything smells really good. Uh, that's Especially awesome. You got the night air on. Yeah. Awesome. I would actually say that particularly I find camping inspiring for oral sex, but you know, because you can just do it and then go right to sleep. Do you have to worry about getting yeah, up? Anyway. Right. But you also don't want sand. Like, I, we're talking about sand in your butt. It's like the most evil thong. <laughs> I just, no. Out, there's nothing wrong with outdoor sex, but there's a problem with sex on a beach. So, you know, so I. Unless you have I, a blanket, I, you stay on the blanket, and there's no sand yeah. on the blanket. And it's rare that you put a blanket on a beach and the sand doesn't get on it. But That's, I have to say all this, I having said that. all this, and having had the terrible beach sex, that I still like to read it. <laughs> it's all very against all odds, isn't it? <laughs> With the water yeah. rushing over them. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, that's like one of those things. It's like I could tell that somebody put that on a trope that doesn't need to be their list. Somebody who's had it and knows it's awful. Um, but again, we're talking this is fantasy sex and sometimes in fantasy sex. Like I said, shower sex could be good if you had an unlimited supply of hot water and a better and a very big shower with a bench. And I don't even need to have the mildew discussion because I don't even know why she listed that because. <laughs> no, if if I I'd be very upset if I had mildew in my shower that had nothing to do with sex. So I would not expect to ever. Um, I will I will say if you've got plenty of hot water, oral sex is pretty easy in the shower, and it can be a lot of fun. Um, but um, as long as your knees are really good. Yeah, yeah. If your knees are but in also, bad shape. Again, but again, the shower bench can really come in handy here because you can, if, if you're depending right. on the height differential, you can just sit down and go good down. To go. You know, you're good to go. So yeah, so that can be good. Um, so shower sex is a little bit more doable. Pool sex, meh, hot tub sex. Meh. Um, I did write shower sex, and I have um, yeah, Rodney and John, but that's a little different because. John's an alien at that point, and he's really strong. I think that you can have shower sex if your partner is really is strong enough to hold you up for the entire time. But if you're trying to have sex when you're both on your feet, and Difficult. most of the time, honestly, the doggy style is going to be the option here in the shower. It's just not. It's just not safe. <laughs> but. Shower yeah. sex up against the wall sex, it's, that's doable if your partner is strong. Yeah, Whether you're you in the move. shower or just up, just up against a wall in your room or something. It's very doable. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, a, it's a nice fantasy. It's a nice fantasy. So, oh, that um, water is sexy and the skin's wet and slick. It is sexy. 
Yeah, Rowan so didn't basically I, anyone. <laughs> I agree. I agree with her about the Jason degree that Moa I think definitely that, excels at shower sex. <laughs> I think he yeah. excels at all sex. <laughs> but that we we were determined to believe that. But I well, I, I agree with her that in general it's Aquaman overdone. Preview part where he turns around huh? and says permission to. In the Aquaman, where he comes down into the submarine and he smirks at them and says, permission to come aboard. Am I the only woman in America who said, yes! <laughs> yes, you can come aboard. Come aboard. <laughs> well, actually, I leaned over to my sister and went, well, who would say no to that? <laughs> That's like, um, are you a god? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> So I agree with her. I agree with her that sex involving water is overdone as a trope um, because it's usually just not that good. It's not. It's improbable that it's. But there, the stars could align if you write it. If the author has written it, written the the amazing shower that I would actually rather have than the amazing shower sex. But if they've written in the the amazing shower and the really, you know, especially if there's a pretty big size differential, like Kira mentioned, where the guy is capable of really holding his partner up. Or they're mm-hmm. an alien and can do it, or a werewolf and can do it. Whatever allows there to be a strength differential like that, it can work. So, you know, figure out a way to make the fantasy work and go with the fantasy as opposed to putting um, it in an improbable set of circumstances. Um, I'm not going over the whole idea that we, one of the first things I talked about was her absurd notion that in order for it to be good erotica, she needs to have a yeast infection. That's what I'm interpreting from what she said. Um, but also, the yes, whole point true. is they really do not want realism in their erotica. They might think they do, but they don't. No. No. Because who buys in a piece of erotica just for several sex scenes in a row to be aborted for first, let's say first she's got a yeast infection, and then maybe she's on her period, um, and, then they're, and then they get arrested because they're trying, but they decide to do it outdoors and they got caught. I mean... All those stops and starts would just get annoying. Um, what it is, is I think she's, the whole article, the whole point of the article, and this is something that I've seen in a certain brand of feminist, is that she is shaming women for liking these things, for liking erotica. It's yeah. covert shaming. It is. I thought this thing was um, um, shaming. I felt like I, I and I felt like she was trying to shame people who like this kind of stuff, and that's just not cool. Also, here's and here's another one. Um, the other the idea, yes, it is true. Some women, it is true. Some women need lube occasionally. Some women need lube most of the time. Some women never ever need lubricant to have sex, except anal, of course. But that's a different discussion. Sometimes, um, like, so, there's like a one or two days a month where I would definitely need it, but most of the time, I honestly have too much my, of my own. Yeah, it's like sometimes it's like um, there are there there are the, there are women out there, and it's I don't even think it's a huge I don't even think it's a minority because I've known too many women who, when they get really turned on, produce a lot of natural lubrication. Um, so to me, if that implies, and it could be that some women don't produce much. There are, there's um, um, a, dis, a disorder called Sjogren's where, when, where you're, it's associated with dry eyes, dry mouth, and usually dry vagina as well. 
Um, so there are medical conditions, there are medications that can cause you to be dry, um, to not produce enough lubrication. But the thing is, that is... Your hormone cycle, a, your menstruation. Right. I mean, it all that plays. That is a, a level of reality into a fantasy that I don't care about. Now, if somebody wants to write it in, fine. If they want to write in that she needs some, little, some lube because she's got Sjogren's or they write in that she needs some lube because um, she takes a medication that makes her dry, I don't care. It, it, it's a little dose of reality that I'm not sure would serve whatever plot they have, but fine, it's there. But in general, I know more women who do not have that problem than I know women who do. So it is. I don't think it's an unrealistic fantasy at all that she would never need to write a woman who never needed lubrication help. Because if, if you need if you need lube, lube, you need lube. Yeah, just use it. And there's always time to lube. And warming lube is just, especially nice. Yeah, and a woman who who has a problem where she doesn't produce enough natural lubrication knows she has this issue, and she has lube. And you don't it's even have like, to have a conversation about it because I got news for you, ladies. Um, if you're getting it on with a new guy and he's rolling on a condom and you pull out a tube of lube and slick some on that condom for him, he's not going to ask you a single damn question. No. Because he'll be too busy watching you slick that on his dick. He's <laughs> not going to care. So I don't uh, find it to be a ridiculous trope that – that the woman in a story, in an erotica story, would always be wet when they were approaching sex because presumably they're not having sex. Actually, that'd be an encouraging thing because it means she's not having sex when she's not turned on. Because that means it's not one of those stories that is fetishizing um, lack of consent. So, you know, here we go. Bully for arousal. So, I mean, if you, like I said, I don't have a problem with an author wanting to inject a little bit of reality or wanting to inject some of their own life experience. I don't care about that. If they want to do that, that's fine. As long as it's not, to me, if it's not, if, it, if it's wrecking my entertainment, then I'll move on to a different story. Um, and it can, because if something starts to feel like I'm reading an erotica story and I feel like I'm being educated about Sjogren's, I'm just checked out. I'm going to go find something else to read. So... Um, I, I just found that she found the fact that women are always, that quote, so wet and ready for him, um, that she finds that to be an unrealistic trope that needs to go away. Wow, she really wants a lot of reality in her story to, to a degree that violates some people's, other people's reality. So, Well, what she's okay. asking for is women's fiction. There's a whole genre just for her. She needs to get her ass out of my erotica. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, this is, this one is a trope. Um, I agree. It is, it's not a trope. I, I like that much, but tropes become tropes for a reason. It's because people like it. So telling people they can't like what they like, which is the love hate trope. I don't like the love hate trope over much. Um, I've seen it done well and in the right hands, it can be very entertaining to see that evolve. But in general, the way it's usually approached is not appealing to me personally. Um, so, but I, again, this is not a trope that I think needs to go away. I, you know, I would just say do it better than what she's describing. Uh, the love and giving blowjobs, people really like giving oral sex, so I, I think she's just way off base with that one. 
all guys are really super excellent at finger banging. Um, no, but most men can be taught. They can be taught, but I don't know why. I, I, in terms of the things in erotica that bug me, getting wrapped around the axle over guys being good at finger banging, or the fact that finger banging exists at all. I mean, it's not my main encore, but, you know. Um, but if you're someone who gets stimulated really easily with clit um, manipulation and who can come that way really quickly, um, being fingered is an excellent foreplay. And there's no need for them to um, degrade it or dismiss it as a um, because women's women's foreplay is often dismissed anyway. We don't need other women dismissing it. Yeah, and I agree that that really good. Not many men aren't very aren't exceptionally good at it. But again, why most people aren't going to write the realistic guy who is crap at sex. So I, her point is lost. No, because your reader is like, why are you with this dude? He sucks. Not only is he terrible at sex, but he's selfish because he's not learning. He can't even finger her well, really? I mean, that's really? like that's what we start training them with in high school. Right? <laughs> that was the fucking training wheels, dude. Haven't you graduated yet? Um, so... Uh, there, there are a lot. You know, the thing is, there are erotica and romance tropes that I think are objectionable. Personally, um, the, the the whole idea of dubious consent, the fetishized virginity, um, you know, the woman with no experience thing, um, women being sold as a sold into marriage. Um, there are a lot of tropes that I find super objectionable. Personally, I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to read or write them because that's not my lookout that's not i'm i am not the um reading standards police and i'm I'm not here to police people's values but those are the tropes that i find to be more outdated and objectionable than literally almost anything she listed in this in this thing about erotica tropes that need to die um it's like she didn't even really hit on any of the objectionable tropes and so i just find that to be really bizarre um I want to write a mail order a... husband. <laughs> <laughs> Finger banging in public, and generally in sex in public, I I think it's overdone in erotica. People get away with yeah. doing weird weird things in public that I just don't particularly find the idea of people like somebody fingering somebody at the dinner table to be all that hot. But that's because it's just a in a way like having you're potentially bringing other people against their con- without their consent into your sex act, potentially. I'm not talking about sex in a car, but specifically the example gave was someone sticking their hand and someone's, you know, fingering, fingering somebody um, at the dinner table. Um, you don't get caught. You like sex in, in public places, fine. But, I mean, it's not a particular trope I particularly enjoy usually. Um and I do think it's overdone tremendously. But again, if this is like the worst thing she can come up with as far as objectionable erotica tropes, she must not have read a lot of erotica. So um, another tro- trope she objects to is that he's impeccable and has sexy fashion sense. Okay. Um, I guess she wants the guy who can't match his socks and always looks like he rolled out of bed with his clothes on. That's just what, again, again. I don't think she understands what the word fantasy means. 
don't think she knows what trope means. Um, but yeah, I don't think she understands. I mean, erotica is supposed to be a fantasy, and maybe you, maybe your fantasy is the dorky guy, and that's fine. I've read plenty of stories I really and I really enjoyed with um, a hero who was kind of a dork, um, or who was a hipster or whatever. But him, but but there's nothing wrong with writing your main character being. Um, sexy and having fashion sense. There's nothing wrong with that. So, and the next thing is that he can always rant, dance really well. <sighs> really? Is there anything well, sexier than a man that can dance? A man who can fuck really well? A man that can do both? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It does They're play. Related. When you see a man that has no rhythm, you think to yourself, he can't fuck. <laughs> Am I the only one? I'm not the only one. If they have no rhythm, <laughs> yeah, we do. We do make an. We do make. We, there's a correlation there. Um, I just. I think that. Um, for starters, I, I would say the number of erotica stories I've read, or even romance stories, where they go to a club, is it, it's a small percentage. Um, and I've actually read as many stories where the guy says he doesn't dance very well. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a sense of rhythm. It just means he maybe he recognizes that he doesn't know the moves. I've read as many stories where he says he can't dance as there are scenes with guys dancing. So um, I... I I wouldn't even call the fact that the guy dresses, the guy dances well as a trope. Um, that might have been like a romance trope in the nineties or something like that, but it wasn't, I don't think that's really an erotica trope. His penis is always the size of a fire truck. Okay. Yes. There is a big dick trope in erotica. Um, live with it. And we have said it that's before and I'll say it again is little dicks aren't sexy and I'm not sorry. And honestly, there's nothing sexy about about seeing a perfectly average a dick described as perfectly average, his perfectly average penis. I was like, does that get you hot? Um, no, mate. I now I have read stories where the the dimensions aren't given. It's not said explicitly that he's got a big dick, um, and I just kind of make the assumption that he's if probably going to run a average. Big, big cup. Well, no, he, well, yeah, yeah I, I always assume, assume the best. <laughs> you always assume this is the best, and I tend to more assume the average. But um, it's just, and I just actually disagree that not every not every story has a guy with a big dick. Um, so I and and I do know no, that big dick. The women is have big people, firm tits. How many women do you know with natural tits that are firm? One. One. <laughs> my tits are my tits are firm, but they don't they're not high. Not like that. Not like they describe, you know. No. I've known one woman in my life that had tits that are, that were described the way a woman are described in an erotica book one. And they weren't fake. And, no, they weren't fake. And actually I would hate um, her. It was it was <laughs> no, well here's here's the thing. It, it was there was this kind of this morning thing because um well, at the time I I knew her, she was a woman, but she did he did transition and do gender confirmation. Oh. So he he had a mastectomy, 
And one of the things we talked about, you know, like several 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 of us who, who knew then her and later him, because the decision that is at the time, it wasn't like I, when 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 I when I knew them, he went by she. So it wasn't like we were ignoring their gender preference. But that that was the way, you know, we knew this this person. And so the 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 the, the whole bit about. Um, the gender confirmation was, was actually a surprise. It kind of, we're all like, whoa, okay, really? Okay. Well, we all, everyone was very supportive um, with, with his surgery and with that whole process. But a couple of my friends and I talked about this, says, is anybody else mourning her tits? They <laughs> 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 you know, like, like, like the most beautiful. beautiful tits. The most beautiful tits <laughs> in the world are gone. I mean, we're, we're a bunch of lesbians, right? So we're all just sitting there going, the, the, but, the, but, but the boobs. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to do what makes him happy, but those boobs. <laughs> he had, he has, he has beautiful breasts, and they're gonna be gone. They're gone. <laughs> they were high and tight and perfectly shaped, and it was just like I don't. It's just like, why did the why did a guy get those beautiful breasts? <laughs> it's not fair. So yeah, that was. Yeah, it was Princess Buttercup boobs. <laughs> there is a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. Yes, and it's even a bigger shortage now. Um, unless you're in a romance novel. <laughs> yeah, unless you're in a romance novel. Okay. And so again, but you point out that there's just a little bit of that discrepancy there that she has an issue with way men's bodies are men with their big dicks, but doesn't have, seem to have any particular issue with women's tits being described as perfect. So, but at least if you're going to hate on something, hate on it equally. You know, if you want to not like the objectification of the unrealistic bodies, hate on it across the board. But again, I think the, I think, I think you've got your, put your finger on it, but what about this bothered me was that this is about shaming people for liking erotica. And, um, and this thing I've been seeing on Facebook and on Twitter and this, you know, thing about objectifications of men's bodies and quote unquote, not all men have a big dick. And some, some, some men have quote dad bods and some men have a beer belly and blah, blah, blah. Quit drinking beer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, that is all true, but this is th- that this is the fantasy. It is objectification is part of the fantasy, right? Is that everybody's perfect or whatever. Um, in movies and books and some people want reality and they will they'll get recommendations for books that deal with that present men with average penises and softer bellies and no pecs or whatever they'll get those book recommendations but it shouldn't be a problem to enjoy the fantasy and that's what i feel like people are basically saying is it's not only is the is the fact that the fantasy exists a problem it's the fact that you enjoy it is a problem which is bullshit. Because, you know, the fact is is that, you know, women are objectified in porn all the time. And I don't have a problem with women being objectified in porn unless they're objectified in porn in such a way that violence is encouraged. Um, when mm-hmm. you produce porn of women being um, murdered, sexually assaulted, um, you're... you're encouraging violence against women and I have a real problem with that but um, as far as like um, just regular porn with hot ass women in them go ahead 
if she wants to get her hot ass picture taken and you want to pick you want a copy of that hot ass picture, okay. You pay her for it. I don't even have a problem with sex work as long as it's safe sex work and women aren't being mistreated and women are given um, the respect they're due in that process. I don't yeah, have a I agree. Um, but when you put degradation and disrespect in the mix, that's when I have a problem across the board. And there is a difference between... Um, Hmm. So, we, it, it's the thing. The actors and actresses tend to be more. They tend to be on the more attractive than not. They tend to be fairly high up on, on the on the scale of attractiveness. And so you get some of these movies get together with a bunch of attractive people. Um, and somebody was talking about specifically about like objectification of women in like um, um, like comic book movies, comic book. Um, like MCU or DCEU, et cetera. Um, and I don't think that there was any more objectification of, uh, in terms of physical body and possibly even less um, of the women than the men in those particular franchises. Um, the difference, I think the, the director from, of Captain America has a crush on Chris Evans' ass. Oh, Can yes, we just I completely say that? agree. Because I yeah. saw more of Chris Evans' ass than I did anybody else's, including Scarlett Johansson. Um, I mean, the ass shots in, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, there's, it, 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 there's butt shots in every movie. And it's not just Joss Whedon movies, because he's definitely an ass man. I swear when he took over the Justice League that he added ass shots. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you turn around. Great shot, Jason. Great shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great ass so, man. But they, and, they, and, they, and they all have nice butts, so I have no problem with the ass shots. They all have beautiful butts. But yeah, the thing Chris is, is that nice ass. We saw as much of the men's bodies as we do of the men, women's, and perhaps more. So it was not like the women were objectified more than the men were. The issue when it comes down to a women versus men thing in those franchises, and I do think. Um, the DC Extended Universe has done a better job than the Marvel Cinematic Universe until the Black Panther movie, was that the men were fully fleshed out, three-dimensional characters in many cases, and the women were not. They were well, the women in um, Black Panther were kick-ass. Yeah. And women then we got Black Panther, and it was like, oh, yes, finally, there's some substance here. Um, and it was the lack of substance that was the issue to me with Black Widow's portrayal in most of the Marvel movies and not the fact that she wore a tight uniform because we never saw her with her shirt off. Right. We might have seen her in a bra, but we never saw her with her shirt off, but we certainly and saw can, the guys with their shirts off plenty. And honestly, can Chris we Hemsworth. just say that that whole thing with Chris Evans cutting wood was female fan service? Oh, was yeah. there any reason legitimately for Captain America to be cutting wood in the middle of No. That scene no. could have taken place anywhere. That was for us, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I wasn't. I wasn't mad at how much the. But I don't think you can sit there. And I. I try not to be a raging hypocrite. I don't think I can get mad about objectification of women in movies, and then turn around and appreciate all the men with their shirts off and the ass shots. It's just that's complete hypocrisy. But and I then can that whole not scene appreciate... in Guardians of the Galaxy, new body. 
You're like, hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> but oh. I can not not appreciate that the women are often treated as throwaway characters or they're not given um, the same screen time. Or that I can have a problem with. Um, and that's a completely separate issue. So, you know. <laughs> but or the whole thing about uh, Black Widow basically being turned into a honeypot to control the Hulk. Yeah, and it's when she wasn't that part of the Captain too. America. Yeah, but the whole the whole notion of objectification in in entertainment mediums, whether it's books, comics, um, movies, TV, that is not going away. It is not going away. So um, we just need to change. I think we need to have a different discussion and stop talking about. Um, I'm not. I'm not putting. A, I'm not putting a value judgment on that. Um, it would be great if we didn't do that so much as a society, but I don't see people being um, appreciated for an aesthetic value or for the role they fill in something as opposed to who they are. I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. And certainly not when it comes to books of any type um, and movies and TV, anything that deals with entertainment. We do tend to treat people more like objects than, than like fully fleshed people. So, um, and I don't think yeah. that's new. No, it's not new. It's been since the dawn of fucking time. That's just our, you know, I talk about sex being fundamental um, to our to our nature, whether we have it or don't have it. Um, sexuality is a, is a part of us as a species, and um, it is what it is. She was a yeah. honeypot in the comics for years. Yeah, I mean... But I wish I just wanted better. Anyways, we're down to 45 seconds. Um, you guys have a fantastic week. If you're in an area where you're going to get snow, be be safe and be careful and um, watch the roads. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone.